Welcome to episode one of a new series I'm calling English Around the World. I am your host and English teacher, Mike Butler. These episodes within the English Around the World series are going to look a bit different. They are for more advanced English learners and for any native English speakers who are just curious about other accents around the world. Did you know there are more than 59 sovereign nations and territories that have English as an official language? Sovereign means they are independent. There are also somewhere around 27 non-sovereign nations, territories, entities that have English as an official language as well, including Puerto Rico, which is officially still under control of the United States of America. Speaking of my country, the USA, did you know that English is not the official language of the United States? That's right. On a federal level, there is no official language of the United States. English is a de facto language in the United States. Same in New Zealand, where only Maori and New Zealand Sign Language are official languages. English is the de facto language and the predominant language spoken in New Zealand. I am sharing these facts with you, the listener, to show the interconnected, woven fabric of this language. The reasons why English has spread so far and wide throughout the world, historically, have been centered around colonialism, imperialism, the stripping away of local cultures, and an extension local languages of the parts of the world that imperialistic nations like the United States and the United Kingdom decided to invade. That's the ugly reality of why so much of our world is centered around English historically. In the 21st century, it's become more complicated, as English has become the language of global travel and business, and has dominated the media landscape as well. Can you guess how many of my students have told me they learned English from the 1990s television series Friends? A lot. All of these nations are shaping the language. There are specific entries to the Oxford Dictionary listed as Scottish English or Indian English. Once you really pick it apart, you start to realize why it's perhaps not the best idea to label some English as right or correct and other English as wrong or incorrect. It's just different. This idea is at the core of why I wanted to do this series. You are going to be hearing English from people who grew up with the language. It may not be easy to understand sometimes. It's hard for me to understand sometimes. This does not mean it's bad English, wrong English. No, it's different. It's beautiful. It's human expression. It's a way to form a connection with another human. The English language has provided this opportunity to me and to many others. English can be a way to bring us together. So let's start embracing the differences in this widespread language. Now, we see many, many nations who have English as an official language, but not as a primary language. Perhaps official documents or schoolwork are written in English or are taught in English. Many people from these countries grow up speaking two languages or more. One of them may be English. But the others are Spanish, are Irish, for example. Or, in the case of my guest today, Mandinka. 
which is spoken as a first language by about 38% of the country of Gambia. The Gambia is a tiny country in West Africa, surrounded by Senegal. Formerly a British colony, it gained its independence in 1965. The official language of the Gambia is English. And when I reached Omar, my friend in the Gambia, he was just getting ready for the holiday known as Tabaski, Gambia's Eid al-Adha, which is an important Muslim holiday. Go to the website to see some video footage of this special time in the Gambia, shot in beautiful HD. It's a very colorful celebration. I asked Omar some questions about the use of English in the Gambia. We talked about greetings, slang, expressions. Again, this is meant to be a challenge for you. Don't be discouraged if you find it difficult to understand his accent. Just remember, the English Around the World series is meant to challenge you. Let's all broaden our view of what we think the English language is. You always have the opportunity to listen to our conversation more than once. You never know. Perhaps you will end up in the Gambia one day in your travels. Here is my conversation with Omar from the Gambia. Thanks for agreeing to answer some of my questions, Omar. Um, So the first one I'm curious to know about is when you see someone, uh, a family member, a friend, maybe someone at the store that you know, what, what's a common greeting to say to them? You know, there's, of course, how's it going? How are you? But is, is there anything unique to um, what you say in the Gambia that perhaps we would not say here? Uh, and, and the same for when you say goodbye. You know, we, we might say something here like, see you later. Um, but what about in the Gambia when you say goodbye? Is there a common expression for saying goodbye as well? Yeah, here when someone, somebody uh, at the minimarket or at the highway, you can as well say Ibenyadi. Yeah, that means how are you or how are you doing? Yeah, and then if you want to say uh, bye, you say oh, see you later, you can say like Fonyato. So when you meet somebody, it's Ibenyadi, and then saying later means Fonyato. Yeah. Okay, very interesting. So correct me if I'm wrong, but those are not English words, right? Um, I'll explain to my listeners uh, the official language of the Gambia is English, but there are many other languages spoken there, including uh, Malinke. Am I saying that correctly, Omar? And are these words that you said for greetings and saying goodbye, are they uh, Malinke words or are they from uh, uh, another language? Yeah, they are Malinka. belongs to the Mandinka words. That is the Mandinka ethnic groups because we have a lot of ethnic groups here. So that one is Mandinka. You know, we have all of and different orders. Very, very interesting. So um, let's see if I understand correctly. Uh, Perhaps you would see somebody that you know um, 
Now, would you say these Malinka words to to greet them, and then is there a good chance that then you will have a conversation in English? Um, I'm I'm now curious to know. Of course, of course, we've been communicating in English, but do you often communicate entirely uh, with your friends and family in Malinka? Or um, is it just the greeting and saying goodbye and, 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 and the rest of the conversation is English? Yeah, most of the time, like when we meet, you know, we do our greetings in Mandinka, you know, uh, but like, you know, sometimes when you are speaking this local language, you also put English there because English is our official language. Yeah. So it depends on the kind of people you're talking to. Some people have been to school, some people don't have the opportunity. But some people can try, they can speak because they hear it every day. Yeah. So I speak Mandinka with my friends, but sometimes we put English there because you know, we can try and speak some English. That is fascinating. And I, and I love that. I, I love any culture that um, is bilingual. I mean, I've been a, a language educator for quite a while now, and I know just the importance of of learning a second language or third or fourth or fifth. I mean, just for the mind, for um, just exercising uh, the, the muscle that is our brain. It's a, it's a great thing. And so here we have a term like uh, Spanglish, for example, because there are uh, quite a bit of uh, people who speak um, Spanish and English. So we've created uh, this this word Spanglish, where I, you know, and I've I've heard it. I've I've spent plenty of time in communities that are very Hispanic here uh, in the United States and uh, in Mexico along the border. And uh, I'll hear this for sure. It'll be in the middle of a a sentence. Like, and I think that's how I'm, um, if I'm understanding correctly, how this goes sometimes with your friends, um, there'll be a couple words in English or, or even like a sentence in English, then a sentence in Malinka, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's actually, um, what I hope to reach eventually with my Spanish to really just go quickly, quickly back and forth. Because quite often what happens when I'm speaking Spanish is that the other person ends up knowing more English than I know Spanish. So <laughs> the conversation just ends up in English. Um, and then also um, I have a lot of Brazilian students and, and they, they have a similar ter- term, portuñol, um, a similar idea with other neighboring uh, countries that speak Spanish. They'll speak something that's like Portuñol, even if one person does not know any English, uh, or <laughs> even if one person does not know any Spanish from Brazil and vice versa, the other person doesn't know any Portuguese, um, there's still a, an understanding. So it's it's kind of different than what Spanglish is that I have overheard uh, here in the United States and that they're just speaking two similar languages and trying to find connection that way. But I guess just out of curiosity, has there, bec- has there, um, has the Gambia 
created a term for this, even if it's like a slang term, not an official term for this mixture of Malinka and uh, and English? Is there a word for that 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 you know of? Yes. Uh, the the thing is, we don't have that here. Like a word that you can combine with English and Malinka, the combination of them, we don't have that here. We just speak English. And if you are speaking Manlika, sometimes we are English, yeah. Yeah, that is how it is, but we don't have uh, a specific word for it. Yeah, we just mix the word together. Okay, I understand. Uh, I'm going to attempt one. Maybe it won't stick, but how about Malinglish? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, I mentioned to you an object called a frisbee. And if I remember correctly, you were not familiar with this uh, device. It's a game, right? Uh, you go outside, you throw this object, and the other person tries to, to catch the object. It's called a Frisbee. That is actually a, a name brand. Um, it's also just called a flying disc or just a disc. I actually very much enjoy playing a game called disc golf with it. And so in the Gambia, it, do you think there's any object maybe related to a game, maybe a game that you play with this object or just any object that you can think of that, uh, that perhaps I would not know about? here in the United States. Yeah, yeah, bro. I remember you told me about the Frisbee, and I'm not uh, familiar with that. And I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever even heard about it before. But, like, I just remembered, uh, actually, I remembered a game that we played here when, we, when I was young. We call it Primiso. But we, there's no particular object we used to do it, to play it. Maybe... There could be an object to do it perfectly with, but before, like we do, we use stuffs to play this. Like most of the time, we use tiles. Tile. I, I hope you know tiles that they put on the ground, like this, uh, the small, like the broken tiles. If small, just a small one, in pieces, and then this is what mostly we do with this to play this premise hoop. or any object that is movable, because we use our leg to move it from one box to another. Yeah, so, but you need, you need to know how to kick it. And then if you are playing it most of the time, we use one leg. Oh, that is how we play. When we use one leg, one leg up and one leg down, then you keep on rolling the ball into the court. When then these courts are drawn, yeah, most of the time, like, it's like six. We are drawing six. We have three, three here. They are all separated with lines. Yeah, so you need to, roll this ball from one court to another. And there's also rules in playing it. Okay, very interesting. So if I understand correctly, there is both uh, a tile and a ball that comes into play? Or is the tile somehow uh, replacing a ball? Uh, either way, very interesting. I like learning about new sports. I actually have a friend who... Uh, travels the world, uh, documenting uh, different sports from different cultures. He'd be interested in that. So, 
I wanted to also mention some uh, some some idioms, some expressions, almost more like proverbs that you have shared with me. Let me start with the first one I see here. A child that runs fast, take him to the sandy beaches. I love that. I think I know what it means or what the kind of uh, message is behind it. Um, but how would you describe what, what, what that means? Could you put that in other words? A child that runs fast, take him to the sandy beaches. Yeah, uh, about the premisole, yeah, I think uh, because of we do not have an object to use, that's why we use the tile, because we have been using different kind of objects, d- different from the tile too. Yeah, but that was what I, my man came on. But then, it, like, you can have a small ball that you can use it for. Well, not a ball that rolls very fastly because, yeah, because uh, the distance is very short. And then, you know, you just have to kick it very small, very small, you know. Yeah. So about uh, about the idioms you mentioned, like I saw, I sent you, like, a few of them. Uh, about what you just mentioned, uh, the child, a child that runs fastly, just take him to the sandy pitches. Yeah, the thing is, uh, because at the sandy pitches, you know, it's hard to run. Yeah, so you know that your child that always run fastly or always like to run fastly, just take him to the sandy pitches. Then he wouldn't be running fastly, or you know, we'll have to get tired. It's just like when you said uh, a child. Maybe a child that, that that likes to light up fire, like everywhere he is. Maybe you just try one day and just put he, put his hand there to to have a, a taste or a glimpse of the fire. And then, you know, for 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 him or her to stop lighting up fire. You understand what I mean? Yeah, that is what the proverb is about. Okay, okay. I had a feeling I had something about how um, you're forced to kind of slow down. Uh, on a sandy beach when you're trying to run in sand, it definitely is more difficult. I also wondered if part of that was um, a metaphor for just taking the time to relax, too. <laughs> Something about going to the beach is, it, um, at least for me, is quite a treat, and it's and, and it, it's quite different from my normal pace of life. It's It's there's there seems to be few things more relaxing than just lying down uh near the ocean and i guess i can do that here in my backyard or or somewhere out in nature somewhere else but something specifically about the beach is is made for slowing down and relaxing I like that expression. A child that runs fast, take him to the sandy beaches or take her or them to the sandy beaches. Uh, Okay, let's do another one that you sent me. No matter how long a tree stays in the water or ocean, it wouldn't ever turn into a crocodile. Let me think about that one again. And read it again. No matter how long a tree stays in the water or ocean, it would never, it wouldn't ever turn into a crocodile. Okay. Okay. You'll have to help me out with this one. When would you say this to somebody? And 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 what's your interpretation? What what what's another way to say this? 
Yeah, the meaning of that means like, if they said like, no matter how a tree stays in the river or ocean, you can never turn to be a crocodile. It's just like, a, for example, you can say human beings, like we, no matter how long we live, even for a thousand years or two thousand years, we can never turn to be another another animal. Like you can never turn to be a cow or baboon. You know, you just, you, you just still have to stay human, no matter how long you live. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, or maybe if you are black in color or white in color, no matter how you live, if you are black, you can never turn to be a white, and if you are white, you can never turn to be black. Yeah. Okay. I I like expressions like that. Um, I feel even within that interpretation that you gave us, um, it can still be so very uh, personalized from each uh, individual to each individual. Um, I mean, I think of myself. I'm in a position where I I feel like I I don't belong here. Um, in the state of Kansas, very rural, um, western, central Kansas, with people uh, very, very different, uh, with very different ideas than mine. Um, and I take inspiration from that, knowing that um, even though I will be here for years to come, probably um, through certain circumstances uh, that are necessitating that I live here, uh, I won't. I'll still be able to hold on to who I am, right? That never changes. And maybe that's a pretty loose interpretation of, of, uh, of that expression, but I think that's part of what makes these so enduring. Uh, what about this one that you shared? What an elder sees while sitting, a child can't see while standing i i need your help what an elder sees while sitting a child can't see while standing what does that mean to you yeah uh that expression will mean like if they said what an elder sees while stand while sitting a child doesn't see while standing like an elder have lived long enough like you have lived a very long time and you have a lot of experiences so a child is just born you know then if if you are together and then imagine how things might went an elder might be able to understand or have an idea of how it's gonna be or how it's gonna end yeah so as a child you are always in doubt I believe that is that is similar to what the expression is saying. But if you don't understand what I'm trying to say exactly, or if you don't understand, maybe I could also ask around if they could find me a good example. But this is what I'm thinking right now. No, no, that's a great explanation. I get it. What an elder sees while sitting, a child can't see, even even if the child is standing. That makes sense. And... Um, it, it, I think it's, it, it's a great metaphor. It's a great message um, because um, that's certainly true. And the older you get, um, the more you realize just how true that is. Um, I think that's a really good kind of proverb that I should teach to, uh, to my partner's kids. 
especially the older one who, at 12 years old, seems to already know all of the answers to life's biggest questions. Um, So that's great. I really, really appreciate it. You shared one more proverb, one more um, saying uh, of wisdom, and I, I want to share that. And uh, one more time, get your uh, your interpretation of it. And then um, just a couple more questions. So you have one more that says, uh, when, when they say the, the river is dry, it doesn't mean there is no water. Again, I just, um, I'm not going to attempt uh, to, to, to try to uh, put that into other words. Um, I do know from experience that even when you don't see water in a river, um, if the river seems to be dry, that if you dig uh, a little bit in the sandy soil underneath uh, the riverbed, that you do often find water. Um, so, yeah, as a metaphor, as a, as a, as a proverb, uh, what does that mean to you? Yeah, uh, when when you are when they said uh, when the river is dry or also doesn't mean that there is no water. It means like if you said that all the youths in America are foolish or useless, it doesn't mean that everyone or maybe the majority of the youths or are, are foolish or useless. Yeah, I don't know if you understand. Unfortunately, I I don't understand a couple words that you said, and that's part of what this series is all about. You know, you've been speaking English uh, ever since you were old enough to acquire language, and I've been speaking what we call the same language. But of course, language barriers exist even within. Uh, the same language. Here's what I'm hearing. Um, All of the youths or youths, as in referring to um, young people, all of the youths are foolish and useless, or that they are not all foolish and useless. F-O-O-L-I-S-H. Yes, that is what I mean. Like, you can use one of those. You can use foolish or useless. Like, if you said all of the people in America are useless or foolish. Like, you don't, you don't mean exactly that everyone. Youths, I mean, is referring to young people. Yeah, so if you said all of those young people are foolish, it doesn't mean exactly that all of them are foolish, but maybe majority of them. That's why they said... When they said a river or ocean is dry, doesn't mean there's no water. Okay, okay, okay. I think I was kind of uh, onto something when I was thinking of um, do if you dig in a dry riverbed, you often still can find water. If you dig hard enough, you can find um, value in 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 in, uh, in every person. Right? There's there's. It's almost like saying in a way there's you should try to find the good in, in people. Um, I know sometimes when I hear people speak this way, they'll say something like, ah, uh, uh, people are so dumb. 
I like to remind that person who who said that uh, that they are also a person. <laughs> so um, try to show yourself a little bit more self-love uh, because you're also a person and you're calling yourself dumb. But uh, I don't think that's exactly what that 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 proverb's supposed to um, teach. But right, okay, I get it now. I get the metaphor. I I, I do. I have one more question for you, and that is about slang, something that, I mean, slang is often, mm, well, I'll define it. It's uh, very informal words of a culture. It's a, a language uh, and, and words that, it, that, that consist of, um, the language that consists of words and phrases, as the Oxford Dictionary puts it, that are regarded as very informal. For example, grass is slang for marijuana. And often you do have a lot of slang that revolves around um, things like that, drugs, around um, sex, you know, around uh, more taboo things. Um, but of course, there are all, there's all sorts of slang for so many different things. Um, if you've ever been on the website Urban Dictionary, you know there's just endless slang. And that's why I'm convinced there has to be some, some slang from, uh, from the Gambia, some words that um, you would say with your, with your friends that maybe, maybe when you're trying, especially with the youth who, who want to be uh, really cool, they want to, to, to impress their friends, they'll use these cool words uh, uh, hip, radical, awesome, all these words in my country to describe cool, those are kind of slang words to describe anything that's, uh, um, that's, that's enjoyable, that is um, attractive, impressive. So are there any words like hip, cool, radical, or any words like grass for marijuana or anything like that, any slang words that you could uh, share with us before we end uh, this um, this episode. Grass here in Gambia is called nyamu. In my language, Maninka, we call it nyamu. So some people also with marijuana they call it nyamu because it's a grass. Okay, let's see if I can get it down. Nyamu, as in, uh, pass me the nyamu, please. <laughs> oh, thanks for that. That's funny. A new word for marijuana I've never heard before. Well, I really appreciate it, Omar, and uh, I, I appreciate your time. I'm glad you wanted to do this with me, and uh, I will end this little uh, interview uh, by saying I hope you have a good Tabaski festival. Uh, festival. I know this is a, a special time for people in the Gambia, um, so... I appreciate you doing this, and I hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you later. And by the way, the music you hear in this episode can be found at AfricanCulturalEncounters.com.
Thanks for listening. One more thing before I go. I mentioned how it's a special time in the Gambia because of the Tobaski holiday. It's also the rainy season in the Gambia, which can be good for farmers, but not for those with leaky roofs. I've started a fundraiser to help Omar and his family to stay dry this rainy season. We're collecting funds to help pay for a replacement roof for his family's home. If you have any money to spare, please help us reach our goal. We are only 50, 60 US dollars away from reaching our goal. The link to the GoFundMe page is in the description of this podcast episode. I get thousands of listens to this podcast every month from listeners all around the world. If just 60 of you were to spare one dollar, one US dollar each, we'd make our goal in no time. Consider it a personal favor to me, Mike. Thanks, everybody. Any questions? Write into the podcast. E-F-T-E-A-C-H-E-R-M-I-K-E at gmail.com. Go to our website for much, much more content, EnglishSessionsWithMike.com. You can help support the English Sessions. Go to Patreon.com slash The English Sessions to make a monthly contribution. For only one U.S. dollar, you will have access to the full audio transcript of this episode and much more, including English sessions with students, test preparation, and ad-free versions of all of my podcast episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash the English sessions and sign up today. Please rate and review the English sessions on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you use. It really helps us a lot. Go to the website www.englishsessionswithmike.com for a free consultation with me, Mike. Do you want to talk with me about your English? I offer a free 30-minute consultation. That's right, 30 minutes free with me, Mike. After that, I will be available to you for private lessons at a price that is affordable for you. We can discuss what you can afford together. I am here to help. One more thing, for all of the advanced learners out there, make sure to subscribe or follow Get the Word with Mike Butler. Yes, Get the Word is now its own podcast. You must search for Get the Word separately now. There are episodes of Get the Word on the new podcast that are not on the English sessions. The Anchor page is anchor.fm slash get hyphen the hyphen word. Thank you all for listening. Until next time... This is Mike signing off. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's Mike, your host of Get the Word, an etymology podcast for word nerds. We'll talk about the history and origin of words in English. If you're coming over from the English sessions, well, then I'll give you an even bigger welcome, loyal listener. 
The English Sessions is the podcast I've been doing for a while now for English learners and, and is where Get the Word was first conceived. I decided to make Get the Word its own podcast since I started to realize I was making content more for native speakers with these etymology episodes, which seemed to warrant its own feed. Don't worry, though. For those of you who are English learners, there will still be transcripts of the episodes on the website. Look for details in the show notes. Get the Word, an etymology podcast for word nerds. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Mike here. I want to pause for a moment to talk about how you can help the English sessions to continue. If you'd like to support the English sessions, then please go to anchor.fm slash the English sessions. There, you can click on the support button and make a monthly contribution to the English sessions to keep this podcast going. You can support the English sessions for less than one U.S. dollar. Every bit helps. Also, remember... Go to www.englishsessionswithmike.com if you are interested in private lessons with me, Mike. Thank you all for supporting this podcast.